It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Giants fans. I'm Ed Valentine of Big Blue View here with another edition of Locked On Giants. Uh, usual co-host Pat Trana is off this week for a little bit of R&R, but uh, we're going to do a little bit of a crossover show for you today. We've been trying to preview some of the uh, of the teams that the Giants will play this year. We're going to talk today with uh, with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears, and, and Lauren is on the line with us right now. How are you today? I'm doing well. I, I actually just got off the phone with Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears quarterback, this morning for the interview. So it's been uh, been an exciting morning for me, and I'm, I'm happy to talk more Bears and, and get some New York Giants going. Nice, nice. How did you uh, How did you manage to hook up an interview with uh, with with Trubisky? He was in Chicago this week. Well, I mean, I was in Chicago doing a a camp for kids who was part of a Gatorade program that's raising awareness for hydration and heat. And they were doing some media for him, so I got a couple minutes with uh, the franchise quarterback. Nice, nice. So what we're going to do today? I will uh, I will toss out some some Bears related questions that Lauren will answer, and then we'll turn the tables a little bit. Lauren will ask me some uh, some Giants-related questions, and uh, hopefully folks uh, from uh, from both audiences will, will enjoy it. So uh, let's let's get started, and actually, uh, as, as fate would have it, I was actually going to start with a Trubisky question. Of course, uh, you know, we always talk quarterbacks, so let's start with, with that. Are you uh, are you comfortable with Trubisky as the franchise quarterback for Chicago, and do you expect him to to take a real step forward in 2018? It's it's interesting because there's such a dichotomy, I think, between the perception of Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago and the perception of Trubisky outside of it. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find too many Chicago Bears fans that aren't completely thrilled with everything he has to offer entering this 2018 season. And I, I as an analyst of the team, I, I find myself agreeing to some extent that you saw a lot of positive steps last year in what was a very difficult situation for a young quarterback. You know, the, the coaching staff didn't particularly put him in the best position to be successful. They didn't let him really work with the starters until he was handed the job in week four after Mike Glennon kind of tanked as expected. So he was thrown into the fire a little bit, made some mistakes, but was also particularly held back in terms of play calling. They, they didn't give him a lot of opportunities to you know, read the full field and, and operate like a big boy quarterback. There was a lot of training wheels and a lot of hand-holding and, and even in spite of that, we saw him make a couple key throws in some key situations and start to show a lot of the traits at, that we saw at North Carolina that can lead him to be more of a franchise quarterback. So now in 2018, 
the expectation is that you have an innovative young head coach in Matt Nagy coming from a system that was able to maximize Alex Smith. They add all these weapons around him with a whole new set of wide receivers and a new tight end, and all of these things come together to put the, the pressure solely on the quarterback's shoulders, and now everything's on him to kind of take that next step. And, you know, that, that might not be a 4,000-yard season right away or anything, but I think the expectation is that he can come in and build on the, the positives he did last year and, and minimize a lot of the negatives that we saw with the situation around him improving so much. Interesting. That leads into the second question I was going to ask you, um, and that is regarding your brand-new head coach. And the Giants also have a new head coach, so there's uh, a little bit of, of similarity there. Um, Matt Nagy is probably a guy who uh, he came out of Kansas City, probably a guy who a lot of people didn't really know a whole lot about actually before the Bears hired him. Uh, it's really a twofold question. Uh, were you surprised by the hiring of, of Nagy? And from, what, uh, from what's transpired thus far, do you feel good about him as, as head coach of the Bears? You know, it's funny. You're doing lockdown Bears while the Bears were still searching for their head coach and going through all the interviews. The guy I thought they should hire was Pat Shermer. So I... I I think the Giants should be pretty excited about that. I really liked what he was able to do in Minnesota. And my, my initial reaction to, to Coach Nagy was very skeptical when you have such an inexperienced coach taking over the head job. And, and he's only been an NFL play caller for like six games at the end of the year last year. Andy Reid kind of handed it over to him and only been an offensive coordinator for a couple of years. So there's a lot of things in this inexperience that, scares you a little bit and, and leaves you wondering exactly how things are going to play out, but so far there's been nothing but overwhelming positivity flowing out of Chicago, that he's he's very open to new ideas and he, he retained the previous defensive coordinator and a lot of continuity there to kind of hold down that side of the ball and on his staff, you know, he brings in Mark Helfrich, formerly the head coach at Oregon, a coach he hasn't really worked with that much, to just add a different kind of layer to the Andy Reid offense, and he's been just been bringing in a lot of different coaches that I think can all offer a little bit of something to the mix, and he's kind of staying a little bit hands-off and, and letting the ideas kind of flow and building more of a, a collaborative type of style, and the players have raved about the, the identity of the team and the feeling around the team, and even Mitch was saying that, you know, he hasn't felt this kind of team chemistry. He didn't feel it at all last year, and he said he also said he's learned more this summer than he has in any offseason in his football career. So, I mean, all the things seem to be coming together from the information that, you know, we get out of OTAs and minicamp and stuff. But we'll see exactly how it plays out when you get to the regular season and the head coach has to really run a whole team and, and do all the things that Matt Nagy doesn't have experience with. Because obviously this is the time of year that everyone feels like their team is a playoff contender and this is going to be their year. But there's a lot of moving parts here in Chicago. And I think it can be easy to get a little bit carried away and, and maybe coming back down to earth on how, t how much time it's going to take for this transition to get through might be more realistic for the Bears in, in 2018. Warren, give me something about the off season in terms of, of the roster build, in terms of the, the personnel uh, changes. Give me something, a move that you really, really liked 
And, you know, the, the flip side of that would be, you know, give me, you know, something maybe that the Bears didn't do uh, that, that's a major question mark, you know, still, you know, in your mind heading into uh, 2018. Boy, it's hard to really isolate one particular move on a, on the, from a positive standpoint just because they, they all, they all kind of have their own flavor. I mean, I think adding Allen Robinson as just a true number one wide receiver, I think, is a, a very important step forward. And he hasn't really been able to participate because he's still recovering from his ACL injury. But, you know, he, he can really be a difference maker there. And, you know, I, I like the investment they put at the wide receiver position. Maybe I, I'm a little bit hesitant to get too excited about Trey Burton at tight end just yet because he hasn't proven fully that he can handle this bigger tight end role. But I think the biggest change is just this coaching staff and that if, if they can run a type of offense that Matt Nagy ran in Kansas City last year, I think you're going to see the, even the players that were already on the offense last year just get that much better. You know, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen in the backfield and you know Mitchell Trubisky among them in the offensive line continuing to improve. So the, the positivity is, is easy to find across the roster there. But as far as a disappointment, I think... One of the big question marks that still lingers for me is on the defense, actually, and in this pass rush. You know, they, they let Willie Young and Pernell McPhee go, a couple of veteran outside linebackers who had dealt with significant injuries in recent years, but now they're kind of putting all their eggs on Leonard Floyd to step up in year three, and he's a guy that also hasn't been able to stay healthy and hasn't been able to truly emerge as the top ten pick, you know, dominating type pass rusher on this team, and they only really surrounded him with Aaron Lynch, a former 49er who hadn't really done much in the last couple of years and had been pretty strong early in his career, but really kind of fell off the track, and they brought back Sam Acho from last year, kind of a your average rotational outside linebacker. They don't have a lot of, of key pass rushing talent on the edge. Still have Akeem Hicks on the defensive line, who had a really strong season last year, but I'm just questioning how well this team's going to be able to get after the quarterback, and I think in Vic Fangio's defense, and in, well, in every defense, that's the most critical part of, of stopping the other team. So, final question before we uh, turn the tables and, and, and send some, uh, some questions my way. Um, I think the Giants and the Bears play week 13, so it's fairly late in the season. Um, you know, look into your crystal ball. Uh, how do you think this season's going to unfold for the Bears? Are we going to see, you know, by, by week 13, are we going to see a, a Bears team that, that feels good about itself, that maybe is in the playoff hunt, you know, that, that's had a positive season, or are we more likely to see, you know, a, a Bears team that's that's entering the time of year where they're kind of playing out the string and, and, and you know, trying to find some players and looking forward to 2019. I'm not ready to put the Bears in the playoffs just yet, but I think everyone's pretty universally expecting, you know, marked improvement. And, and how many wins that exactly looks like, I'm not as sure, but I think we're going to see a Bears team that even if they finish the season 7-9 and nine, or even 6-10, and 10, it's, you're still seeing these positive step forwards. And I think the, the, the expectation is that this team is just going to get better 
from week to week. And so when you get to the Giants in week 13, they'll just have come off kind of the start of their big divisional push. They have two games against the Lions in the three weeks before that Giants game. And that'll really be, I think, the, the true barometer because the Lions are another team sort of in this playoff push with a new head coach themselves and, and trying to get back into that postseason. And if, if the Bears lose twice to the Lions in that span, then I think you're going to kind of see that they're not – they're not ready to contend this year, and they're, and they're maybe coming come to New York and not have as much of a, a confidence and, and a push there. But, you know, the, the Bears can rack up some wins. They, they play against the AFC East all four weeks in a row, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, Bills. There's an opportunity there to get some wins against some, some poor teams and maybe get hit around by the Patriots a little bit. You know, if they can get some momentum going in, in that span and then hit the divisional games a little bit strong, then you can see them coming into the Giants game in Week 13, maybe on this fringe of like, okay, if they keep winning, maybe they can sneak into the playoffs, or if they lose from here, you know, every game from that point on might be a must-win, and I think, I think you'll see a pretty competitive Bears team at that time, even if they're sitting a couple games under 500. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Lauren, why don't we turn the tables now and uh, let you uh, ask me some uh, some Giants-related questions so that we can uh, educate your, your Bears listeners a little bit about uh, about what they might see from, from Big Blue. Yeah, I, I'm glad uh, we got to talk about Pat Shermer a little bit already, and I, I want to start there. Where Where do you feel like just kind of the general feeling around this team is right now. I mean, after, you know, like the, the Ben McAdoo era, however short-lived it was, it kind of reminds me of the Mark Tressman era in Chicago where early on it's like a, a new offensive mind and the team has some really big success and then the, the leadership is lacking and the whole team kind of falls apart and has a pretty terrible year and kind of having to hit the reset button. So with, with Pat Shermer coming in, does it feel like, picking back up kind of where McAdoo was starting to get them, or is it feel like a longer reset button and more of a transition period? Where, where does the team kind of feel right now? Well, it's, it's very interesting because the, uh, what happened with the Giants last year, you know, they had, they had missed the playoffs, I think, four consecutive seasons before Ben McAdoo took over for Tom Coughlin, and they, they rode a really, really good defense that, as we look back on it now, sort of probably played over its head a little bit. Uh, they rode that defense to a playoff berth while they had a really, really awful offense, which, of course, was McAdoo's calling card, having been you know, an offensive coach in Green Bay and then an offensive coordinator for the Giants for two years. Last year, uh, the wheels came off, and and there was there was controversy. There were issues between McAdoo and and the players. Uh, there were all sorts of uh, of things going on in the locker room. And my guess is that a lot of that was actually there in 2016 as well. But it got hidden by the fact that they won some games. Um, 
When the Giants hired Pat Shermer, one of the things that they said, that Dave Gettleman, the GM, said was in the interview process, what they realized was that Pat Shermer was an adult, that he was a mature, responsible guy. And, and for me, that's been the big imprint so far. Um, whereas the Giants, you know, sometimes last year, you know, they had three players suspended. There were problems between players and the coaching staff. There, you know, there were there were issues. It was it was pretty obvious that Ben McAdoo had lost the team. Uh, it was pretty obvious that he had no use for the media. Um, he had a difficult time getting along with just about anyone. Um, and it. it it didn't feel like a professional, productive environment to be around the Giants. And, and you know, we don't know how things are going to play out, you know, when the game starts. Obviously, you know, in-game decision-making and, and all of that. But I have to say that I believe Shermer's off to a good start simply because it feels once again like a professional environment. It feels once again, you know, like a like a team that's run properly, you know, like a team, like like a coach who has respect for the people around him. Players seem to have respect and respond to him. So it's been a good start. It's been refreshing. It's encouraging. You know, but who knows, you know, who knows what happens, you know, starting in September when the games start. How refreshing has it been for Eli Manning? You know, I know he's like what thirty-seven now, and uh, the last couple of years, especially last year when everything was falling apart, he had a lot of those kind of ups and downs from game to game, and was even benched, even though it probably wasn't necessarily reflective of his performance ability. Is is the expectation that Pat Shermer is going to reinvigorate him and revitalize it, or does he still kind of remain a pretty big question mark as far as production that you're going to get at the quarterback position? Well, that's that's the the big question, and that's the the thing that uh, that the Giants have sort of uh, they've they've gone all in on here. They they made the choice in the draft not to take a quarterback number two. They made the choice in the draft to take Saquon Barkley number two uh, to pretty much go all in on Eli for the next couple of years. In terms of building around him, you know, Dave Gettleman as GM is a guy who was with the Giants uh, back in 2007 and 2011 as pro personnel director uh, when the Giants won Super Bowls. So he knows Eli Manning really well. He believes that Manning can still do the job, as do I, to be honest with you. I think that you take last season, which for Eli I think was his worst statistical season you know, as an NFL starter, I think you throw it out just because, I mean, how many quarterbacks can be successful with an offensive line on – I, I lost track of how many combinations of, of offensive linemen the Giants started. I lost track somewhere around six or seven, um, you know, combinations of offensive linemen. And to be honest with you, none of them were very good. How many quarterbacks can survive when you lose your entire wide receiving core week five and spend, you know, most of the next 11 weeks 
pretty much introducing yourself to the guys you're throwing the ball to each week. Um, you know, and not to mention, you know, they, they didn't, they had a couple of decent running backs. Orleans Darkwa had a decent year, but they didn't have any anyone as a running back that could really threaten the defense and make what you would consider to be a big play. So, I throw that I throw the year out simply because I don't know that any quarterback really could have done a whole lot better than than Manning did, you know, with uh, with what he had around him. And you know, when you talk about Shermer. You look at his history, he's been successful with a wide variety of quarterbacks. He's been successful with with Case Keenum, who I believe was undrafted. He's been successful with first-round picks like Donovan McNabb, and, and he got a couple of good years out of Sam Bradford. He's been successful with guys who can move. He's been successful with guys who are more stationary quarterbacks. So there's a lot of optimism that he'll be able to to build an offense more suited to the strengths of Eli Manning and not, you know, so much dominated by, you know, by the, the pure West Coast system, by the quick throw, uh, the way that the, the McAdoo offense was, was geared. So, so there's a lot of optimism there right now. What about with this offensive line? I know you, you mentioned how terrible it was last year that they go out they sign Nate Solder they drafted Will Hernandez in the second round two moves that I definitely would be a big fan of but I, you know I think is, is Eric Flowers still started to start at right tackle and you know how much improvement are you expecting then as a whole because of that improved left side and I guess how much of a concern is the right side still because it seems like you know from center to right guard to right tackle there's not been not really any key additions on that side well, that's an, a really interesting question. I look at the offensive line, and I I believe that it's going to be better simply because of the presence of Nate Solder, to be honest with you. And that is not to say, and I've written this a number of times at Big Blue View, and I've said it here on Locked on Giants, that is not to say that I believe Nate Solder is a great player. He's not. Um, you know, it's the circumstance of free agency, Timing, need, guys get overpaid in free agency. I mean, he's the highest paid left tackle in the NFL now, but he's not the best left tackle in the NFL. I think he's never made a Pro Bowl in his seven seasons, but he's a solid, dependable, reliable player. He can handle that job. He can lead that locker room in the offensive line room, which is a really, really underrated part of the Solder signing. Not only have the Giants not had enough talent in that room the last few years, in my view, they haven't had any real veteran leadership. You've had guys who might have had talent, but no one who had ever really won, at least for the last three or four years. No one who had ever been, you know, been part of, of winning and really knew what it took like Solder does and his his impact has already been seen on Will Hernandez. It's been seen on Eric Flowers. You know, personnel-wise, I look at I look at Boulder is an upgrade over Flowers. I look at Flowers, despite all of his technique issues and and, and everything else, and the fact that he's not a great player. Flowers 
is an upgrade over anything they used at right tackle last year, you know, with the exception maybe of a, of a couple games they got out of Justin Pugh. You know, Will Hernandez was a terrific draft pick. They signed Patrick Omame, who is, is you know, for my money, an upgrade over either John Jerry or DJ Fluker, you know, the guys who played right guard for them last year. And you know, the one thing that's a question mark for me is uh, they they let Weston Richburg go in free agency, uh, and they have a competition right now between John Jalapio and Brett Jones, you know, who may both be, you know, decent average players, but they're not the player that, that Weston Richburg is. I mean, as a whole, you know, you have to think that, that they've upgraded the offensive line but obviously, you know, we have to see games to see how these guys play together. I think talent-wise, they've upgraded, so potentially, you know, a much better group. But they have to prove it. Well, we're seeing a lot of changes offensively here in the Giants, and I guess defensively, there's just more systematic changes with James Betcher coming in, and the Giants are making that switch to three-four defense, and I think that that actual switch can get overplayed in terms of impact on the team. But I guess my question lies in a similar thing I talked about with the Bears, with the Giants' pass rush and then this outside linebacker position. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul, they traded him to the to the Buccaneers, and they drafted Lorenzo Carter in the third round. But are, are you expecting a, a drop-off in terms of pass rush there? Or do you feel like, you know, with, with Vernon and then some of the other guys that they have, that they can make up for that absence there? Well, the pass rush, to be honest with you, is, is the million-dollar question, I think, with the Giants' defense because, you know, as, as you indicated, the only proven pass rusher on the roster is Olivier Vernon. And if you look at Vernon's history, I think, in, I think his, he's in his, I think he's been in the league five years, maybe six he has only one double-digit um, back total in his career. Uh, he's not a fantastic pass rusher. He's not a guy that's going to get you, you know, 17, 18 sacks. He's not going to fly off the edge and dominate games. He's a good player. Can be good, you know, a good part of a pass rush, and he can make an impact there. But and, and you know how it is with. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, he's got kind of a similar skill set to, to Leonard Floyd in, in some ways. And the skill set is there, the, the physical talent is there, but it's going to take time. He's a first-year player, and, and you don't know exactly what you'll get from him. So the pass rush is a huge concern. Excuse me. Um, huge concern, you know, simply because... You don't know where it's going to come from. And as much as James Betcher, you know, has a history of being aggressive and dialing up lots of creative, you know, rush packages and, and doing a lot, of, a lot of things, when you have to scheme that pressure, when you have to consistently send five and six guys and you have to try to fool offenses in order to, to create that pressure on quarterbacks, you know, that leaves your defense vulnerable at times and, and, and that's the big worry with the Giants defense you know, the, or the, the biggest of the worries is, is how are they going to create that pass rush well let's wrap up here with the thing you asked me at the end I was going to 
turn back to you. When it comes to the, the Giants this season, and even as you get closer to Week 13, what what is the expectation from a, a win loss perspective? I mean, I don't, I don't need an exact like get you know prediction number of, of wins and losses, but is this a team that is expected, or you're expecting to get back to the pretending you know eleven and five that they were in 2016, or certainly improvement from last year's three and thirteen is is probably a given there. But I guess how much improvement uh, on the season as a whole are you expecting in terms of wins and losses? Well, that's that's a tricky question. It's a it's a fairly difficult schedule, but schedule aside, all of that stuff aside. What the season and the next couple of years come down to is this. The Giants made the decision, although, you know, they're they're quote unquote, you know, rebuilding, restructuring, revamping lots of pieces of the roster. You know, they have a new GM, new head coach, which automatically sort of leads you to think rebuild. The Giants made the decision to go all in on the 37-year-old quarterback and they made the choice to go all in on Eli which obviously is a short-term thing I mean, that leaves them with uh, you know they could have taken Sam Donald you know at number two and, and built for the future and said okay you know we're, we've got our this is the guy we think can be our guy for the next 10 years they chose to try to build around Eli and and try to maximize, you know, the year, two years, whatever time is that he has left. So the thing that that you have to say is they better be in the playoff hunt by week 13. They better be in the playoff hunt week 16, week 17. They better make the playoffs, you know, because if they don't, if they fail, if they go 4-12, and 12, if they go 5-11, and 11, if they go six and ten, then then what they've done is a failure because they've chosen to go all in with Eli and and push off that that future decision. So if they don't win, you know, and, and I'm not saying they have to win Super Bowls, but if they don't make the playoffs, if they don't, you know, make a run, be in contention. Then you know. Then the then the plan is a failure. All right. Well, that is everything I have for you. I think that was a pretty good back and forth there. What do you think? I thought that was excellent. I really appreciate your your taking the time. I hope your uh, I hope your listeners enjoy this as much as I hope mine do. And with with that said, uh, Giants and Bears fans, I think that uh, that we will wrap it up and, and call it a show. It was a pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out and helping us set this whole thing up. All right. This was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.